I have a small joke. Let me read that to you. A pastor had a dinner at a home of a couple in his church. After he left, the wife said to the husband, I think he stole our spoon. This bothered her for a whole year. A, later, uh, a year later, the couple had the pastor for dinner again. Unable to resist, the wife asked, Did you steal our spoon last year? The pastor replied, No, I put it inside your Bible. So for one year, she didn't read the Bible. Anyway, lift up your Bibles. Please bring the word of God. It's the sword that we use. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, influence me this morning. Father, I pray that you will speak through me, Lord. Anoint my lips. I pray that the words that comes out of my mouth will bring clarity. No condemnation, but conviction. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk this morning on the topic of salt and light. We're actually going to continue in the book of Matthew chapter 5. We took almost more than two months to talk eight simple Beatitudes. And uh, if you have not listened to all the eight, it's on SoundCloud, also on iTunes and YouTube, wherever you can just type Papa's house, you'll find them. I want to continue there from the book of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's up in the screen. It says like this. I'm reading from the NIV. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in its house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you want to padres? Okay. All right. So, uh, I'm going to talk a few minutes before we go to the next slide. We are not going to jump quickly into that. I want to talk on the subject of salt and light. And we know this, Jesus said to us, the disciples, the followers. The word disciple means the followers. The followers of Jesus, he said, you are the salt, you are the light. And I believe God has called us to be salt and light in every sphere of society. And we have no doubt in this. But seldomly we don't realize what we carry inside of us. And we don't realize what is the mandate God has given to us. And because when you don't know, understand the mandate what God has given to us, we just tend to do, you know, whatever uh, we want to do in our life. And I have, I've never used props. I'm going to ask uh, uh, someone, maybe you can come and stand here. Uh, uh, I want to do some illustrations. So I've never used props before. So uh, imagine we, we all have potluck dinner and I love potluck you know something I really like is what others going to bring and that's why if you see me getting your stuff and going to the kitchen it's because I'm very curious to find out you know when my brother Sunil said I'm bringing cake he brought it I grabbed it from Erica and I, and I went to the kitchen I want to know what kind of cake is there it's just curiosity you know, and it's just want to know. And I even said, hey, I'm bringing drinks. And I'm looking at the picking through the bag, you know, what kind of drinks. You know, and everyone brings, and Cheney brings the pork. I mean, don't speak in tongues now, but, you know. So it's like you're kind of curious of what's going on there, you know. But imagine if everybody said, hey, come for dinner, potluck. And what did you bring? I brought Himalayan pink salt. 
Okay, what did you bring? Oh, I brought low sodium. And imagine, what did you bring? Oh, I brought rock salt. Or, or Tata salt. That's what I can afford. Imagine if everybody brings salt, what would happen? The, the potluck would be the worst and the last potluck ever. Am I right? I mean, can you think about it for a moment? Because we think we are the main ingredient, but actually we are not. We are actually supposed to add flavor to what is already there. And the same thing, God said, you are the light of the world. Imagine like, we're all just hanging out. Okay, I'm a zero watts brother. I'm a CFL brother. You know, I am like this night lamp or I'm this romantic candle or I'm this one like 40 watts or 100 watts. Imagine if everybody is just being just full of themselves. Like, I'm the light, I'm the salt, I'm Himalayan pink, I'm low sodium, I'm tartar, I'm rock salt. Rock salt is good to make fish curry. Do you know that? You take rock salt and rub it on the fish. Come on. Am I, am I, yes or no? It, it, it enhances. But this, the, the idea is, I just, I mean, I don't know how much you got it, but I, I, if you didn't get anything, it's fine. I'm preaching for myself. Okay? Just, you can, you know, take a nap and we'll wake you up end of the sermon. But this is the point I want to tell you. Imagine if everyone just highlights who they are but never find out why they are created, we will not fulfill the purpose God has made us. And thank you so much. This is what I want to talk about. This morning I want to talk about why God said you are the salt of the earth. Why God said you are the light of the world. We know there is a light for the, for the earth. Sun. But what is the light of the world? The Greek, the original translation, the world means systems. So God said, you will be the light to the systems. There are at least seven systems in the world. Education is a system. Marriage is a system. Family is a system. Arts and communication is a system. These are the systems in the world. Church is one of those seven. And you might have heard the teaching on seven mountains. I don't know, seven mountain teaching. For me, it's like seven mountain means, man, I have to climb seven mountain. I have a hard time hiking a hill. So seven mountain would be like, no thanks. <laughs> you know? Uh, but seven spheres of society. God has called me. Some of you are in the medical facility. That's a sphere of society. Some of you are in the sports. Some of you are in the music. You know, we dis- that's what God said. You will be the light of the world. Imagine that you become, the go- goal of light is never to see the light. You turn on, you go inside the room every, every evening, you turn on the light, you don't look at the light. Wow, what a wonderful CFL. If you keep doing that, probably something will, someone will say, right? The goal of light is never to see the light. The goal of light is to see. The same thing, God said, you are the salt of the earth. And this is my suggestion, it can blow your mind, or it may be like, ah, I've heard this before. The salt of the earth, God said everything, and he created. But when he wants to create, he took us from the from the earth and he created. What does that mean? You are the salt of the earth. You are supposed to be the hopeful person to the humanity. Amen. Christians must be the most hopeful Christians in the whole world. Should be. Because we are, instead of being hopeful, we become hopeless. Why? Because we don't know who we are. And I wrote down here, the kingdom of God is not only top down, but also bottom up. Salt, what is the goal of salt? It enhances the flavor. What is the goal of light? Candle, it brings clarity. 
What is the goal of seed? God uses a lot of metaphors to grow and provide shade, shelter and security. What is the goal of yeast? It doesn't change, but it changes those who come in contact with it. Amen. We are going to just do two metaphors today. Salt and light. We don't have time to talk about the seed and the yeast. We are called to create a fragrance in the community. How many of you believe that? Your relationship, you know, let me backtrack a little bit. I grew up in a culture where I was told this. You have, in order to live a holy life, you have to first isolate yourself. Once you have isolated, you have to insulate yourself. This is what I was told. So I had no clue how to relate to a non-follower of Jesus. Because I had this holy bubble. All I knew was stotram, stotram, stotram and little bit atram, atram, atram. You know, never, I, I didn't know what else. You know, so <laughs> some other words are still coming but I won't tell you because we are recording. But this is the thing. So I grew up in this bubble where isolate and and insulate. And we have, we have done a good job in that. Isolation and insulation. There is a part of wisdom in this. Bible says in Psalms 1. It says don't sit among the gossipers. Don't sit in the place where you know you'll, you will be into temptation. It's a wisdom in this. But never God meant that. So that you can feel superior from the rest of the world. So that you don't connect with the people who are broken in this world. Never. That's never. That's why God said you are like a lamb in the midst of the wolves. You are the salt in the midst of the earth. You are the light in the midst of darkness. So what's my point? What I'm trying to, un- trying to convey is God called us to live a life in such a way that people look at us and say you just have the same problem like what I go through but something is different. Tell me what you are what you're doing, what do you do, what kind of mandra you do, what is that magic that keeps you alive, what is this emotion that you carry, you know, you have all those problems, even more, but there's something inside, I, I'm not sure it's happiness, I don't know what the word for it, the world does not have a vocabulary for the joy of the Lord, do you know that? The world does not have the vocabulary, we know the joy of the Lord, we can sing, Father Abraham, as many sons, we can have all the choruses and everything, but the world out there doesn't have the vocabulary, but then we can live in such a way, the world can say, Amen, something is strange in you, what's that? Amen, I think Bill Johnson or someone said, the person with most hope wins the conversation. And I want to challenge you, are you the person with the most hope? And many times when we come to, I, I, I don't know about you, I have talked to some Christians and you feel, after talking to them, you feel more hopeless. You feel like, where did the joy of the Lord go? And many Christians, I call them constipated Christians. Because more incoming, receive, 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 no outgoing, and you know how it is, basic science. More incoming, no outgoing means you're not going to be a fragrance, you're going to be a stinky person. And that's what happened. Have you ever sat next to a constipated guy? Or a girl, I mean. <laughs> but this is challenging. This was no joy of the Lord, you know. So I'm going to get to the point here. The main reason, the Bible says here, let's go back to the scripture. I want to highlight this uh, scripture. Look at this verse. So that in the same way, what is the same way? Salt and light. In the same way, let your shy light shine before others. Others means everyone. Not in the church. Like, hey, I'm a nice pink salt. I'm an organic pink salt. I'm a, you know, low sodium salt. No, it's not like that. It's rest of the world before others that they may see your good deeds 
and glorify your father in heaven i want to talk about the good deeds and why christians don't do good deeds is because there is a root cause of it and probably today when i open up this it might make a sense to you and you might be convicted and this could be a change of new beginning of in this area of your life and i believe this we can attract this world amen because bill johnson said i quoted him a second time now he's he said this very profoundly everybody likes jesus but they have a problem with his body if we represent like the face jesus i think the church would be in a much better place we are representing somebody else i was hearing from my friend on the other day she brought her puppy inside the church and they they said you defile the holy place and it saddened my heart i kind of thought it's funny but when i was thinking after she, after she said i was thinking that's like it's so easy to look at something that is different than your normality and and if it doesn't make sense you can demonize that person or you can criticize that person i want to challenge us where we are at and i want you to think and i wrote down here the main reason it's going to shock for some of us but this is what i feel in my heart to share this the main reason for not able to do good deeds is greed which is rooted in fear is greed and what is greed greed is basically the fear that says if i give i'm going to lose that's why they say this world says get all you can can all you get sit on your can and this is where we got it you know and someone said fear is a false evidence appears a real fear is the key that shuts you inside and because of doubt and confusion but faith on the other hand is the key that releases you to the land of freedom and life whatever you fear influences how you worship and let me tell you this when a tsunami hits first or any natural crisis comes who are the first responders the bible believing or the post christian nations are the first responders you don't look up to saudi arabia and say can you release a aid no why because it's not inbuilt of them because you don't look at india i mean we boast having top 5 billionaires in the world richest people in the world we are we have two or three of those guys in our neighborhood hello but still in this country people cannot buy 1 kilo onion you know today they have vengaya jewelers you know onion jewelry shops if you seen that memes ads it's so ridiculous you know so the girl the guy got so you know he didn't make it up and he brings her this jewelry made out of onion and she is so happy i mean i can show that memes but it's 20 seconds of waste of time but you can google it it's there anyway so whatever you worship will be proven by what you trust greed stops the flow whereas greed is the opposite of generosity and that's why we feel in our heart like when if i give what's going to happen if i if i give this something is going to change in my life and we are taught and i remember my friend who is a judge he called me and he said charles what you are doing is actually wrong i said what do you mean he said you are messing up in someone's karma they are supposed to live like this they are supposed to stay like this you are messing up in their karma and if you mess up their karma that karma is going to get you i i told him like one of the problems one of the girls in our children's home ran away and we need a help so i called him instead of helping me he gave me the advice and that's what our country is full of right if you need help they will give you an advice <laughs> and this is what i went through and i was so shocked by the fact that somebody could could even say this you know anyway so greed is the opposite 
of generosity. Greed is like a pond where generosity is like a river. Do you know pond? Nothing flows in the pond. It's stagnant. But generosity is like a river that what you have is actually not yours. You are just a steward. Okay, I need another volunteer here. My brother Peter is here. Imagine this Bible. I'm giving it to him. I say, this is what the Lord says. I want to give it. But now Peter's responsibility is to ask the Lord if this is to keep for himself or to give it to Brother Arnab. Okay? Now, the thing is, I don't know Brother Arnab, but I don't know he has a need. But all I know is I sense that I should give this to Peter. But Peter knows there is a brother who is in need of a Bible. So Peter determines whether he can be a channel or a block. If he gives the Bible to brother, what he does? He is a channel of blessing. But what he says, you know what? Oh, this is a round red color Bible. Hallelujah. It's for me. What he's doing? He's stopping the flow. What happens when you stop the flow? You are not only a blessing, but next time God can't trust you with greater resources. And a lot of time, thank you, brother. A lot of time we do this. Oh man, I got this. I got this. So I let me just, you know, let me not give up this. And, and we hold on tight and we never move forward. And I wrote down here some signs of greediness. Greediness. Number one, it's, we're going to go quickly. You are scared or feeling weird whenever the offering basket comes around or the topic of money is talked about. We don't have the offering basket. Every time when we off, when you talk about money, what is that? Is it, oh no, now they're going to tell me to give. Oh no, I, I thought about doing this, this. If, if you're feeling that weirdness, ask the Holy Spirit and check that out. Check it out. Why is that weirdness? Where does that weirdness come from? What is that happening? You know? Number two, you constantly worry about the future every time when you give. Number three, you want to know if I give, what will I get in return? Too much focused on payback. Listen to me. We never give. To get we give because we already were given of course god loves a cheerful giver he blesses us he multiplies us that's true but we never give to just get it back we give because we gave from what he already gave us amen and this is what you are very cynical sometimes this is all a checklist you can do this you have a cynical attitudes to others who live generously i remember someone said to me uh, i was telling this uh, to someone and I said the example of Rick Warren. Rick Warren gave 91% of his living and he lives with 9%. And then the person just, without, before I finish the sentence, the person said, well, if I'm a millionaire like this, I will also do this. And I said, no, you won't. If you can't do it with a thousand rupees, million dollar will never, you, you probably will unfriend me on Facebook. You know, you won't do this because you, you, your attitude is tested even on the small things. If you can't, you know, if you can't do with your five-digit salary faithfully paying your tithes and offerings, if God multiplies us and gives you a family inheritance, forget about it. That's it. It's all going to be gone. So it's an attitude. You're cynical towards others. Number six, you're too judgmental of others, especially ministers or ministries and their lifestyle. I remember ministering in Cincinnati and having a cup of coffee after the church and one guy came to me and he said, I don't give tithe. What's your opinion? I'm like, as a visiting pastor, you don't... 
I mean, there are some delegated authority. There are some authority. You just need to know your wisdom. And I looked at my friend and, you know, uh, the Indian friend, they have a lot of sign language. He said, just leave it, you know. And then later I realized this guy got hurt because he gave to a ministry and the pastor lived a lavish lifestyle. So he thought everybody is like this. And a lot of people, that's why I say, you know what, that's why sometimes even missionaries, even for us, we live out of support. We don't have a salary. There is a tendency to be, you know, poor me missionary. And I'm wearing a broken pants. This is not the reason I'm poor. This is the fashion, okay? <laughs> I want to be very clear. So don't think, oh, that's why pastor is preaching on generosity. Don't do this. Okay, this is expensive pants, but a body torn, okay? But this is different. <laughs> Last night I was wearing even a different kind of more expensive. Somebody blessed me with that, you know. Anyway, this is what people say. Oh, they are too judgmental. Listen to me. Your job is to give. And that's it. God is the vindicator. And I have seen ministers taking the money and using it inappropriately. I lived all my life. I'm 42 years old. I've lived all my life close to ministers, born in a ministry family. And I tell you, when the hand of God, the judgment comes upon them, miserable. But you don't need to do this. You, you know what? Can I tell you this? I'm going to be very blunt. Okay? You, you have heard me blunt, but I'm going to be even more blunt. You don't give to me. You don't give to Papa's house. In fact, I know God doesn't need you to fix his ministry. But if you collaborate with him, there is a reward. Amen. And this is the reality. God actually, you, you can say, you know what, I'm not going to give it to God. But let me tell you, the one you have it is from God. Amen. And this is the number seven. You pretend you are a good steward in money by being cautious. Actually, you are unwilling to trust God for multiplication. You know, when there are two spirits, one is called the spirit of discernment. That's led by the Holy Spirit. There is another spirit which is kind of makes a, kind of like a, pretends to be a spirit of discernment, which is actually called a spirit of suspicion. You know, where is it from? It's not from the Holy Spirit. It's rooted in fear. One is rooted in love, another one is rooted in fear, suspicion. I don't know. We gave this offering, I don't know what's going to be. Uh, look at his phone, he changed his phone. Oh, maybe that's why. We, we kind of calculate with our mind. That's a spirit of suspicion and a lot of people. And that's why they say this word, be careful, ma. Have you heard this thing? Be careful, be careful. That's because it's suspicion, fear. But I want you to be not led by fear and suspicion, but led by the discernment. Amen? And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. We all have GPS inside of us. What is GPS? God's power system. Amen? We have an inbuilt GPS. So ask the Holy Spirit and say, if these are things that's going to change, let, let the Holy Spirit change it, you know? So, three simple truths. I'm going to wrap it up. We are running out of time. Our life principles. We have said this every week. I'm going to say it again. We can never outgive God. Number two, we can never go broke by giving to God. Number three, God will never ask us to give what He has not given to us. This is very important. When we get this, I think we will be more tranquil, I mean, more at peace. God will never ask us to give what He has not given to us. Everything. And I tell you, I, I grew up n not in a very rich family ministry. You know, we sometimes have one day we eat biryani, another time we have like 
kanji and you know so it's always faith life we lived and but sometimes that fear my my father had a fear that my son also going to suffer like us in the ministry and he had another dream that i would rather go and become a dentist or a doctor or engineer and and get a 9 to 5 stable job so that i will be free from this misery i mean sometimes it was miserable but never unfaithful god was it was god was always faithful so he had this dream and and i when i said god called me to missions and full time and that to in an organization that you have to pay to work he he was furious in fact he said you disappoint me that was my first 5 years of compliment from my father when i started ministry you disappoint me because he doesn't want us to suffer the same but i tell you the one who called you is faithful he's faithful i tell you my kids the way they are living i could not imagine the provision of god he provides the open doors the miraculous way he provided us you know god willing we will celebrate christmas here in the new building god is faithful let me tell you this i he is amazingly faithful i want to finish off okay i want to finish off this questions write down if you're taking notes or take a photo we are running out of time okay these are four questions write it down check this is a checklist do this this week how the lord ever leads you how are you dealing with your 10 10 80 principle are you giving saving living Okay, this is the principle the Holy Spirit taught us. Actually, we do twenty, ten, seventy principle. But this is the basic: ten, ten, eighty. Ten percent goes to God. Ten percent for your future. Ten, eighty percent you start living. What do we do? We don't do that. We say hey, we get hundred percent. We swipe the card for hundred and fifty, and we live out of the next month, next month, next month. Credit card, credit card. You know, this generation is more in debt than any other generation ever lived in this nation. Do you know that? That's something sick. God doesn't want us to live like that. Number two, what is your number one fear when it comes to money? Will it be enough? What if something happens? Am I doing the right thing? These are thoughts. What is number one fear when it comes to money? What is the number one thing? Write it down. Unless you diagnose what you are going through, you can never treat them. You can never find a solution to them. Number three, where do you think God wants you to live ten years from now in the area of finances? In other words, what would you like to be known for in this world? What practical steps you take towards? towards that there is a saying in english you might have heard this he who has more more toys wins have you heard that thing but let me tell you us more toys doesn't win but he, even though he wins he still dies hello so sometimes we think like oh if i have this if i have the second home if i have the car paid if i have this vacation not local vacation international vacation and we kind of keep on expanding this greed has no limits to this let me tell you the world doesn't care how many toys you have but the world cares what you gave nobody remembers big big millionaires but still people remember mother teresa why she took the 2 rupees that was her weekly salary and she would walk from her home to the school and she would buy bread for that and give it to the homeless people that's how missionaries of charity started since 130 countries even in vellur hello today we all have savings account right the savings account was started by Uh, the, the the William Carey, he actually saw farmers are keeping the money underneath the pillow, and he said, "Well, they need to put somewhere, otherwise the fire and destroys them." So he goes to this Imperial Bank of India, which is called the State Bank of India now, and he goes to them and he say, "This common people needs to start an account," and they said, "They have their savings. That's why we got the name savings account. Billion two people now have savings account. Hello, 
I have four brothers. <laughs> because one guy, he heard the voice of the Lord. He said, good stewardship. Come on, guys. Amen. What do you want to be in the next 10 years? Uh, brother Kalanagatti to Settlano. More than that. Dream bigger. Amen. Number four, last but not the least. What is your deciding factor when it comes to money? Fear or God's love? Emotions or intentional? Never give money out of emotion. You know, we say, Ayo, pao. You know, that's, we call the dogs a lot of time even inside the church. Don't do this thing. No emotions. Intentionally, God so loved the world, He gave His Son. Amen. It's an intentional act. So I want you to pray, even this Christmas joy of giving. I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, is there something intentionally you can give? And let me tell you, if you give without feeling the pinch, you have never paid the price. But if you give when feel the pinch, then you know. You know, one of the things I like the most is the perfume. When I go through every duty customs, I stand there, I shower myself with free perfumes. And I like, when somebody gives me, I'm giving you a little secret, but <laughs> somebody gives me a gift, I like the perfumes. You know, and we were coming back from States and there were so much sales going on on the perfumes, like Hugo Boss, like 80% off. My wife said, get it, this is my birthday gift for you. And I felt my Lord was telling, this year's birthday gift, you're going to give it to your, your brother who comes to our home. His daughter is studying engineering or something. You're going to give that to her. And I tell you, I don't want to hear that voice of the Lord, actually. Because I saw the sales, and I know my position. And I tell you, and when I start, when I gave, when I gave that check, I wrote the check. When I gave the check to that person, I didn't feel anything. But I felt that there was a pinch, you know. And I brought the 130 rupees Axe perfume, that's fine, but it's fine. But you feel the pinch, when you feel the pinch, you know you have taken something beyond your natural ability. Amen. I have here four prophetic declarations. We're going to stand up and read. We put it all together and we will read it together. All of you church, can you please stand up? Maybe four or five, maybe six. I didn't count properly. But look at the chair screen. Let's do it together. And please, if this makes sense, put your hand on your heart and repeat this together. Let's do it together. I have complete union with Christ through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. I am unique and important body in the body of Christ with unique gifts and calling. I live in supernatural abundance in every area of my life with a naturally supernatural Papa God. I choose His plans and purposes then wandering on on my own and getting stuck. I am called to be a light, salt and hope so others can get out of darkness, mystery and hopelessness. In Yeshua name, I declare this over my life, my city and my nation. Amen.